0: kicked off this series last week. How many of y'all were here for last week, part one of Joseph? We talked about the dreamers. I wore a big fur coat. It was a thrift shop coat. And uh, I had people after service asking me, where can I get that coat? I want that coat. It's not for sale. But we will let everyone try on Joseph's coat. Everyone will feel valuable by the end of the series. Uh, but we've been talking about this guy in the Old Testament named Joseph. And he was favored by his father. He got a beautiful coat. He had a dream to lead his family. Um, He had more than one dream, all about leadership and all about uh, being an impact to his family and to the world. And when he shared that dream with his brothers, they hated him even more. They saw the favor of their father on him. They, they, They heard his dreams. And out of jealousy, they threw him into a pit and they sold him as a slave. They pulled him out of the pit and they said, instead of leaving him to die... Let's make some money off our brother. And so they sold him as a slave to these Ishmaelite travelers who then carried him off to Egypt. We're gonna pick up today in part two of the Joseph series and I wanna title this message, Favor in Frustration, Favor in Frustration. If you have a Bible, go to Genesis 39, verse one. Now Joseph had been taken down. Have you ever felt like your life had been taken down? You ever felt like your dreams had been taken down? Ever felt like your confidence had been taken down? Anyone ever been there before where you're just like, man, I am like feeling insecure, feeling frustrated, I was happy? Anyone had your happiness just kind of ripped from you? Yeah, taken down. Here Joseph was, he went from being the the favored son of his father, living in his dad's house, having meals with his family, enjoying the luxury of the promised land. He lived in Canaan, which was the promised land in Israel, And all of a sudden, in one day, he's now waking up in Egypt, and he's been taken down. He's been taken down to a place of of, of extreme uh, lows. Joseph's story is a story of highs and lows. The high of getting a coat from his father, the high of having a beautiful dream, a dream that was going to be amazing, and the low of experiencing the jealousy of his brothers. And now an even... Lower low of being sold and taken down to Egypt. Now, watch this. It says, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials. Let me stop right there. Joseph, in his mind, probably thought, I'm like a hundred miles backwards from my dream. I didn't just take one step back, I just took like a hundred miles back from where I was supposed to be. Like, this is not a part of Joseph's dream. He didn't have a dream of Egypt, he didn't have a dream of pyramids or Pharaoh, he had a dream of leading his brothers. So in his mind, he's like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? Now, we get the beauty of of being able to look at the whole story, and we go, man, this is exactly part of the plan and the process where God is getting him ready to lead a nation. We get to see that, but Joseph didn't see that. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a script. So in his mind, he's like, what is happening? This is frustrating. Have you ever been there before where you're just in a season, and you're like, this is frustrating, like, you're, you're in a city that just feels frustrating. You're in a job that feels frustrating. You're with some family members that are just frustrating. You're with some roommates that are frustrating. You're with a boyfriend. You're with someone, and you're like, this is frustrating. This is complicated. This is difficult. That's where Joseph's at. He's in a place that feels frustrating, and it says this, Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Little did Joseph know that he was actually closer to his dream than he ever was before. He was closer to a place of leadership that he would one day be promoted to. He was one step away from Pharaoh. He was one step away from Pharaoh. Here he was, and he was working for Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. Could it be that your place of frustration is one step closer towards your dream? Could it be that the season and the job and the situation that feels frustrating to you is actually God's plan and process to take you one step closer to your dream, and you're closer than you realize? Turn to someone next to say, You're closer than you think. You're closer to your destiny than you think. You're closer to your purpose than you think. By the way, purpose is a big topic in the story of Joseph. I think sometimes we think that purpose starts when we finally reach the dream. But purpose started for Joseph before he ever landed into the position of leadership that he was dreaming of one day being in. Joseph learned that purpose is not defined by, by Pharaoh. Purpose is not defined by Potiphar. Purpose is not defined by his brothers or even by his own father. That purpose comes from God and God alone. And when God defines my purpose, then I can work at Quick Trip and be happy. I can work at Home Depot and be happy. I can work for Victory Church and be happy because my purpose goes with me everywhere I go. Whether, Whether I'm single or married, whether I have kids or don't have kids, none of that stuff defines my purpose. Pharaoh does not define my purpose. Potiphar does not define my purpose. God defines my purpose, and the beauty about purpose is bu- purpose supersedes location and vocation. In other words, I can fulfill my purpose in America, and I can also fulfill my purpose in Afghanistan. I can fulfill my purpose in Manfred, Oklahoma, and I can also fulfill my purpose in Paris, France. I can fulfill my purpose in Orlando, Florida, Miami, Florida. I think sometimes we think a location is what's going to help our purpose really come to pass. And God says it's not about location. It's not even about vocation. Because we're, we're, we're waiting. We're like, one day when I'm working for the church, I'll really be fulfilling my purpose. One day when I'm a missionary. No, you're a missionary right now. If you're waiting to become a pastor by title or position, you're missing your purpose. Because you should be pastoring right now without a title. When I went to Oral Roberts University as a freshman in 2004, any ORU students in the house? Yeah! So I went to ORU in 2004, and I was hungry for a title. I went to the RA office. I said, I want to be an RA. An RA is someone who oversees like a floor of guys (laughs) on campus. And I was like, I need a title. I need a position. I'm looking for like RA, chaplain, pastor, leader, CFO. Like I want like a big, I want to be in charge of some people. I want to be in charge of some money, some people. Like I just, I was on this leadership hunger, thirst trap, right? And so I, I went, sat in the office. They said, you can't be an RA. I was like, okay, why not? And they were like, because you're not qualified. I was like, okay. And so then they said, you could try out to be a chaplain. So I try out to be a chaplain and they're like, nah, you're not, you're not really chaplain material, Paul. And so I was like, okay. So then I tried out for the worship band at ORU and I had dreams of being on the worship band. I was like, "Okay, I'm going to be a worship leader." And they said, "You're not really good enough." I tried out and they were like, "Nope, you didn't make it," you know? No one hit the button, no judges turned around and said, "You're accepted." They all rejected me. I tried out for the choir. I thought maybe I, you know, I wanted to have a badge that like gave me a title like choir member or RA or chaplain or, you know, pastor or leader. Like I wanted some title, some position. And God was trying to teach me that I don't need a title to live with purpose that I don't need a position to be fulfilled with a purpose. God was teaching Joseph, Joseph, you don't have to have a title to be a leader. You can learn to lead from the bottom up. You can learn to lead in the middle. You can learn to lead without a position, without status, without being placed in charge of anyone. You can lead right here. And Joseph was bought by Potiphar for $20. 20 bucks. I think I have a $20 bill somewhere around here. Where, there it is. Oh, I got two 20s. Ooh. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna use both of these. All right. How many of y'all believe that these two $20 bills are worth 40 bucks? How many of y'all believe it's 40 bucks? Okay. Now, what if I take one of these 20s and I crumple it up? Is this still worth as much as this? They both still have the same value. But what if I say, you worthless piece of trash? <laughs> y'all are like, Wow. Tell us how you really feel. You're good for nothing, right? I'm like practicing my movie lines. Uh, what if I just call this thing a bunch of names? Is it still worth just as much as this? And what if I spit on it? How many of y'all believe this is still worth just as much as this? Would you want this? Y'all are like, no, give me the one that hasn't been messed with. But oftentimes, this is our life, right? We're looking at someone who, who seems to have some perfect life on Instagram, and we're going, man, they've never been through the abuse I've been through. They've never experienced the pain. They, they didn't have their parents divorced. They didn't have their parents leave them. They didn't go through all the verbal abuse that I went through. And God says, yeah, but you're still valuable. God still sees you as valuable, just as valuable as this one. Yeah, yeah, but this one's crispy. This one's clean. This one's No, this one just looks crispy and clean. This one's been handled by the Tulsa State Fair guys, too, okay? (laughs) This one's been through some hands. I think sometimes Instagram covers up all of our, our wounds and our imperfections, and we try to pretend like we don't have issues. But even the pastor's kids, even the people that have been in church their whole life, they've got stuff. And God says you're both valuable. Don't let what people say to you determine your worth. Don't let what people have done to you determine your worth. You are valuable, Joseph, not because Potiphar paid 20 bucks for you. You're priceless. Not because your brothers, listen, just because your dad gave you a coat, that's not what made you valuable. God gave you life. You were made in his image. And Joseph understood that his value came from his creator. And when you understand that your value comes from your creator, then you can live with purpose despite what your paycheck is. Because people go, well, I'm only as good as my paycheck. They're only paying me 20 bucks. Paul, they don't even value me. If, if you saw the way people treated me and how they ignore me and my boss, yeah, yeah, but your value doesn't come from your boss. Your value doesn't come from your, your employer. Your value doesn't come from your nation. Your value doesn't come from your skin color. Your value comes from your creator, and you are just as valuable as anyone else out there. And Don't let anyone determine your worth except for your creator, because you are worthy of life. And I, I think this is the month where people This is called Suicide Awareness Month. Depression Awareness Month, it's so important that we remember where our value comes from because the enemy will get in your mind and convince you that your life is not valuable and convince you that what people have said is true and what what you say about yourself. You are not what you say about yourself, and you are not what they say about you. You are what he says about you, and he says you're a masterpiece. So Joseph knew where his value was from, and he knew where his purpose came from. And I love verse 2, Genesis 39, verse 2. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with you in the valley, and he's with you on the mountaintop. The Lord is with you in the darkness. He's with you in the hell on earth type of season. He's with you in the abusive. And you go, well, if he's there, then why am I going through this? And life is not fair. God did not exempt Joseph from trouble. The the Christian life, I think sometimes we, we misunderstand that the Christian life is not an exemption from pain. Sometimes it's even a greater invitation to walk through persecution. Because when you live for God, not everybody's gonna like it. When you live with confidence that comes from the Holy Spirit and you believe that he's got a plan for your life, not everybody's gonna be pumped for your dream. So, so, so when you decide to follow Jesus, you are going to walk through pain. And even just without following Jesus, our world is a broken world, so there's pain and there's abuse and there's trouble and there's heartache, but God is still with you. God was with Joseph in the pit. And I know sometimes in our minds we're like, well, if he was there, why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he stop the brothers from selling him? Why didn't God stop the abuse from happening? Why didn't God stop the bullies from messing with my son? Why didn't God stop it? And there's questions that we can ask. And listen, God can handle those questions. But Joseph learned instead of living with so many questions and resentment, he learned to trust in God and put his faith in God and release the questions and say, Lord, no matter where I am, no matter what people do, I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to make the most of Egypt. I'm going to learn to make the most of a frustrated place. See, favor is unmerited. In other words, the favor that God gives you, you can't earn it. He gives it to you freely. It is his nature, but you can position yourself for favor. I can't earn the favor of God, but I can position myself. Where Joseph positioned himself for favor was instead of raising his fist at God, saying, Why did you let this happen? Joseph came right here. You want to position yourself for favor in a frustrated place? Get on your knees. You can be angry all day at God for the things that didn't go right in your life. And you tell me where that gets you. You tell me where resentment and bitterness and questioning and angry at God, you tell me how that goes but I've learned even when my father passed away that I'm better on my knees than I am with my fist at heaven. That there's something here that God begins to heal my broken heart. There's something here where God says, I know you wanted it that way, but even in this, you're gonna see the goodness of God. And even though you might feel surrounded by enemies on every side, you're also surrounded by the deliverance and the favor of God. And even though you might find yourself in a frustrated place, Paul, even here, you're gonna see a victory. I'm gonna turn what the enemy meant for harm into your good, Joseph. What your brothers sent to try to kill you and destroy you, I'm gonna use as a launching pad and a setup for your promotion. You are one step closer to your dream and you're closer than you realize. So God was with Joseph. God is with Daniel. God is with Antonio. God is with John. God is with Abby. God is with Sharon. God is with you. Even in that secular job, Joseph was not working for a Christian boss. He was not working for a church. He was not working in a perfect environment. He was surrounded by immorality. But instead of letting the culture shape his character, his character shaped the culture. Instead of letting the culture and the environment and the circumstances to determine his purpose, his purpose shifted the circumstances. Joseph was so strong that he walked into a toxic environment and he changed it. Watch what happens. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He's living in a house that is secular, that is godless. They worshipped sex. They worshipped immorality. They worshipped all kinds of stuff in Egypt. It was dirty. It was unclean. It was... It was Vegas times 1,000. It was, I mean, it was, it, lust was everywhere. There was um, idolatry everywhere, and yet Joseph prospered in a secular environment. You don't need a perfect president or a perfect king to prosper as a man of God or prosper as a church. You can prosper in any season when God is with you. But when we hear the word prosper, we immediately go, money, <laughs> prosperity, checks in the mail, bonuses. And that's not what prosperity is. Prosperity for Joseph didn't mean more money. It meant more impact and influence. He was prospering to be salt and light in Egypt. And I think we need to redefine what prosper means. Prosper means that God shines a light on you in a place that wouldn't make sense for light to shine. Prosper means that when you show up to work, people notice how good you are at your job, and some, there's some sort of like momentum, some sort of second wind that's that's on you that just sets you apart. You look different in the eyes of other people. People notice. This is what happened with Joseph. As he began to prosper in his work, look in verse three, it says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him. Does your boss see that God is with you? Does your supervisor see that you have a relationship with God? Because your relationship with God should cause you to prosper in your work. Your relationship with God should set you apart that you're showing up on time, you're diligent, you're working hard. Again, you can't earn the favor of God, but you can position yourself for the favor of God. Joseph was on time, he worked hard. He didn't file for unemployment and say, I just need money to come to me even though I've got two hands, two feet and I can work this job. Joseph was not living lazy, Joseph was living diligent. He was working hard, he was giving his best. In a a society where people just settled for mediocre service, Joseph served with an excellent spirit. Can that be said about you and your job? Because we ask God to bless us, but we disregard what God has asked us to do, to work unto the Lord, to give it our whole heart. Colossians chapter three says, work as if everything you do is for the Lord. Work with excellence, work with diligence, give it your all. When Joseph worked hard, his master, his, his boss, saw that God's hand was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. So, so God wants to give you success at your job. God doesn't want you to eke your way through life. He doesn't want you to just survive. He wants you to succeed. When I was at ORU and I, I didn't get a title or position, the only job available was to work as a janitor. And, um, and, and so that's what I did. I signed up to work as a janitor. I was making $5.25 an hour. Come on, somebody. So my paychecks at the end of two weeks were like $97 after all the, you know, tax, everything that was taken out of there. And um, and, and it was frustrating. It was a frustrated season. It, it lasted for about two and a half to three years. I wasn't always pumped to pick up people's nachos. I had to clean up the baseball stadium after baseball games, had to pick up in the maybe Center. I remember setting up tables and chairs, and when it was cold outside in the winter, when it was icy, we had to get up at 5 a.m. and put salt all across the prayer tower, you know, pathway where people would walk to uh, the student center from their dorms. And I remember days, nights, mornings, just frustrated with my job. Have you ever been frustrated with your job, frustrated with the season in your life? Yeah, and, and I remember during that season, like I was single and I was watching people just like make out in the prayer gardens and just like, there was, there was like, <laughs> which was weird, why are you making out in the prayer gardens? But you know, like Jesus is sitting on the bench. They actually have like a statue of Jesus and like a guy and a girl just making out next to Jesus um, and the praying hands, just people kissing in front of the praying hands. Like. I don't know, maybe it's romantic, but I remember during that season, I was so frustrated. I was frustrated with my job. I was frustrated with my relationship status. I was frustrated with so many things. And yet, even in the frustration, I was finding favor. And you've gotta learn to look at the favor and let the favor change your perspective about the frustration. Because you might have more favor than you realize, but you're focused on your frustration. And so you're not enjoying the season, and God goes... Yeah, but didn't you see how I used you to be a light this week? I remember talking to my friend Jeremy Jeremy Richardson. He was working for Red Rock Canyon as a waiter. And um, while he was working there, it was not like his dream job. He did it for three, four years, him and Tara. And he said, man, the customers are not always friendly. They'll yell at you, they're mean sometimes. I know none of you victory people are like this, but he said, you know, he said they, instead of leaving a tip, they would leave a track, you know, and invite us to church. But then they would tell us how bad, you know, how slow we were. And he said there was nights where I just was frustrated with with working this job as a waiter. But he said even in my frustration, God was using me. He said I couldn't shake the fact that God had me there on assignment, that God was using me and, and giving me purpose to minister to the other waiters and waitresses, that God was using me to lead people to Christ. He said, I was able to invite so many people to Victory Church during those three to four years. I was witnessing and I was constantly bringing people who were far from God, closer to God. Sometimes prosperity and success is different than you realize. Sometimes it has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with being a witness to the people around you. Favor isn't fair, literally. Sometimes the favor of God will land you in a pit and your brothers will strip you of your coat and ignore you. Sometimes favor will land you in Potiphar's house and you'll make five twenty-five dollars an hour and you'll work hard and you'll help the whole house to prosper but your paycheck never changes and you go, I don't want that kind of favor. I want the, I want the American dream kind of favor. And God says, you need to redefine favor because favor looks different in different seasons. Sometimes favor is less about this and more about you just being a light in Egypt, being a light in a dark place. Like when I talk to missionaries who are in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and people who are serving overseas, ministering overseas, they're like, man, the favor of God is all over our orphanage. Tell me about it. We, we eat rice and beans every day. And and, and, and and we're lucky if we get a chicken. We get a chicken like once a year. But the favor of God is so strong on our orphanage right now. We're changing an entire community, and it redefines favor for all of us Americans who think favor is driving a Tesla, living in a big house, and having a six-figure salary. That's not favor. Favor is when God's hand is on your life, and you are impacting your community, and hell can't stop you, and Potiphar's wife can't stop you, and Pharaoh can't stop you. Joseph found favor in a frustrated place. And watch this. When his master saw that he had favor and success in everything he did, he became his top attendant, employee of the month, employee of the year, his top attendant. And when I read attendant, I looked up, what does attendant mean? It means waiter. And so I got my apron today because Joseph was his top hostess in Potiphar's house. He found favor to become and, and I, I thought I would serve you today at Victory Restaurant. I, I've got Let some us put favor. up a chair as the dining room proudly presents your dinner. Your dinner. B. B. Ah. Yes. Guest be out. Who wants some cookies? This Anybody want guest? some milk, cookies? Pastor milk, some milk, cookies. cookies, chocolate milk, regular milk. Why we only live mm-hmm. to serve. serve? Try the gray stuff. It's delicious. Don't, Don't believe me. Ask the dishes. They can sing. They, sing, they, they can dance. dance. After all, this, this, this is friends. And the dinner here is never second, second best. best. Go on you and fold your men. You'll take a glance, and then you'll be our guests. we our guests. Be our guests. Guest. 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 You guys want some? How about back here? Cheese you guys want some cookies today. and milk? Let me come up to the, the high day. seats up here. We prepare and serve come on! Come on. You want some milk. Milk and cookies? <laughs> <of the laughs> Come on, purple. get them milk, get a <laughs> milk. No one's blue. Yeah, you want some I'm complaining while well, the flatware <laughs> is Hey, we got Peter a whole uh, tray down there. Someone help me pass out to to some throw milk throw down, throw down throw there. Pastor Ty, just chomping on the cookies. Be our guests. It's fine dining we suggest. Alright, pass this down. Give someone some cookies. Give someone some of that milk. Alright, give the give this whole restaurant a big hand. Huh? Pastor Ashley's gonna help you get some get some milk and some chocolate chip cookies. Turn to someone next and say, Welcome to Victory Restaurant. <laughs> do, should, we still, should we pass out the rest of these cookies? Come on, give give an entire row of these cookies. Who wants a chocolate milk? You want a chocolate milk? Any <laughs> chocolate milk back here? Heads up. <laughs> Who wants some milk over here? You want a the milk? There you go. Chocolate milk back there. Here, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Here we go, right here. Y'all are like, what am I going to do with milk in church? You drink it. Anyone else want a chocolate milk? My man right there. Chocolate milk over here. Chocolate milk back there. Just call me Joseph. Just call me Joseph. <laughs> so Joseph was the top. <laughs> Come on, we have fun at Victory Church. Y'all are like, what is happening right now? We're having fun. Joseph was the top attendant, which meant he was the top servant. And he basically said, where do you need me? What do you need me to do? Nothing is below me. If serving is below you, then leading is above you. If you can't serve, you can't lead. If you're too big to serve in children's church, you're too small to preach on this stage. If you're too big to serve in the parking lot, You're too small to lead a connect group. And I think sometimes we always want like the the top position. I want to be in charge. I want to be the communicator. I want to be the guy on stage. I want to be the worship leader. But God says, I need you to sing in the choir. I need you to work in the nursery. I need you to rock some babies. And so that's what I did. When I was at ORU, I I served in our youth group. I was a greeter. And, And as I was greeting at the youth group, and then I was working as a janitor at ORU, God began working on me because God's more concerned with who you're becoming than how fast you get there. He's more concerned with the character that you're developing than the title that you will one day hold. God's not interested in titles. The greatest title you will ever have is servant. Like God doesn't say, "Well done, thou good and faithful senior pastor of Victory Church." He doesn't say, "Well done, thou good and faithful top mom on the moms club in the neighborhood." "Well done, thou good and faithful, you know, dad of five children." Well done, now, good and faithful CFO or superintendent of the school or basketball coach, football coach. Titles don't matter to God. What matters is that you live to serve him and them. And when you live as a servant, you can go far. Jesus said in Matthew 14, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. You want favor in a frustrated place? Become a servant. Just say, where's the need? What do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? So while I was at ORU, I was looking for where's the need because no one gave me a title. So I was picking up nachos and I was stacking tables and one night I was writing my journal and I heard the Lord say, start serving as a pastor to this campus. And I was like, well, how do I do that? Like what what, what office do I go to to become the pastor? (laughs) Like which department do I need to ask permission? And I heard the Lord say, you don't need permission to help people. You don't need permission to pray for people you don't need permission to have an open door where anyone can come in and talk to you about what's going on in their life. So I started doing it. I just basically started living as a pastor on campus. I didn't carry the title. I didn't have a badge that said Pastor Paul. I just started living in a way where I said, I wanna help people on this campus. And I heard the Lord say, I want you to start serving in chapels. And I was thinking, what can I do? I didn't make the choir. How bad do you have to be to not make the choir? They were like, maybe your sophomore year, you might make it. It was frustrating. Didn't have a title, didn't have a position, and God said, open the door for people. I was reading Psalm 84, and it said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And I circled it, I said, okay, I'm gonna be a doorkeeper at chapel. Every Wednesday and Friday, I open the door. People would walk through and they'd say, what are you doing here? I was like, I'm a greeter, and they're like, we don't have greeters at chapel. <laughs> and I was like, I am your greeter you can't get rid of me. And they were like, who appointed you as greeter? I was like, I did. It's a self-appointed role. And they were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just trying to help you have a great chapel service. And they were like, you're annoying. This is ridiculous. But I would hold the door open. I'd say, welcome to chapel. It's gonna be a great chapel. And they'd be like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, people were just angry. You know, they had to go to chapel. <laughs> and I, I, people would come in. I'd be like, you're gonna have a great message today. We got a great speaker. And they're like, who's speaking? I was like, I don't know. They don't tell me anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm just a volunteer greeter." <laughs> I was like, I'm just trying to be optimistic. It's gonna be good. Whoever it is, it's gonna be great. Our best days are right in front of us, you know. And I'm trying to pump people up as they're coming into chapel. And during those four years, I never stopped reading. (laughs) And I took it so seriously that my family was going on vacation once and we were going to miss a week. And I said, dad, I got to get back. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm supposed to open the door at chapel. (laughs) He was like, who asked you to do that? I said, I know in my heart, I'm supposed to do it. I started pastoring before I was a pastor. If you're waiting on a dream to come to pass before you start living the dream, you'll never really be living the dream. You got to do it in Potiphar's house. You got to learn to serve wherever God has you. I memorized like a thousand people's names. I started knowing everyone and I was like, hey Susie, welcome in. Hey, Jerry. you know, It's like saying all these names. And and by my senior year, people started looking at me as the pastor on the campus. I wasn't a chaplain. I was for one semester and then they got rid of me. (laughs) It's because I participated in an activity on campus that wasn't the best activity to participate in. We did a prank. We pranked the whole campus. It was really funny, but I got, I got removed from the chaplain program. <laughs> I'm not saying I was a perfect pastor. I'm just saying I showed up to greet people, okay? I know how to get myself out of my emotions. Um, and, 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 and sometimes we see ourselves as Joseph or like the hero in every story. Sometimes we're Potiphar. Sometimes we're not the good guy. Sometimes we're the brothers. Sometimes we're the butler that forgot Joseph. Sometimes we're the temptation. Sometimes we're not, like, we're not always the good guy. And I think we've got to look at this story and go, God, what are you trying to teach me through the life of Joseph? What are you trying to teach me through the characters in Joseph's story? Joseph served, and by the way, when you serve, you become a target for the enemy. When you start giving your life to serve God's purpose, the enemy draws a target around your head and says, I'm coming for you and I'll bring every temptation I can to try to take you off course from your purpose and your destiny. And so watch this, it says, from the time that Joseph was put in charge of Potiphar's house and all that he owned, Potiphar trusted everything, the Lord blessed the house of the Egyptian because of Joseph. God will use you to bless another person's house. The reward of being faithful and being a great servant isn't always a bigger paycheck, it's knowing on the inside that I helped change the culture of this house. It's knowing that I had something to do with God's hand blessing this house. And that internal reward, you don't have to hear, you don't have to hear anyone give you a shout out at the staff meeting. All you have to know is that God is pleased with you. That God is using your faithfulness and your servant's heart in the nursery, in the children's church, in the parking lot, on the worship stage, uh, or at your job, at Quick Trip, at Starbucks, at Home Depot, at the BOK Center, wherever you work, at Williams Company. God's using you to help bring a better culture to your company. And the reward for that is the blessing comes on it. And from the time he was put in charge, God blessed it. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field, in the house and in the field. God is not only blessing this house, he's blessing the field. God's blessing the mission field of victory right now. We're seeing so many amazing reports happen across the world, not just in Tulsa, but through what God's doing here. God's touching both the house and the field. But that only happens when you have people who are willing to serve without the spotlight, people who are willing to serve without the titles, people who are willing to serve in the trenches and show up like Joseph did and work as if they're working unto the Lord. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. Joseph was dependable. Joseph was trustworthy. Joseph showed up on time. Joseph was responsible. Sometimes we think that the grace of God is going to do everything for us, that the favor of God is going to take care of everything, but God says, you have responsibility. The divine is going to do amazing things. But God's also looking for human vessels who say, I will give my best effort wherever you put me, God. Wherever you have me, I will work and I will make the most of Egypt, even in a frustrated place. Now, Joseph was well well built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But Joseph refused. By the way, there's always going to be distractions along the way to your purpose and your assignment and your destiny. When I was a kid, my mom used to take me and John to Walmart with her. Any Walmart people in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we are the people of Walmart. I was there yesterday, I got a nice pair of sunglasses, 10 bucks, you cannot beat the prices at Walmart. And um, I love going to Walmart, like I am a Walmart dude. And so when we would go as kids, my mom, she would take forever in Walmart. She would get lost in aisles, and she would go with the list. Everybody said, go with the list. Yeah, yeah, you gotta go with the list when you're going into Walmart. Otherwise, you get distracted by the specials. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, I, that's not on the list, but that looks good. <laughs> like, you cannot beat two bags of Doritos for four bucks? Come on, let's go get some Doritos. But you gotta stick to the list. And so she had a long list. Sometimes I would take the list and I would start adding stuff on there like Nutter Butters, Star Crunch, Capri Suns, Chips Ahoy, Oreos, you know. Mac, and, I I like, and she was like, who put this on the list? And I was like, don't worry about it, you know? But she would get lost in there. And then my mom, she would start praying for people in the aisle, she'd start casting out demons. She was having church at Walmart. I remember this one time, she had a line of people just coming through her line, she was praying for them. And there was like people behind her massaging her neck, massaging her back. It was weird, man, it gets weird in Walmart sometimes. And, uh, and John and I, we were just like, we're gonna, like, we took some money out of her wallet like like three or four dollars, we told her afterwards, but we went and got some McDonald's french fries, and then we went down to the electronics section, and they have like PG-13 movies, that was the only place we could watch PG-13s. So we were watching Jurassic Park while my mom was praying for people, and we were sinners, we needed the grace of God. Um, just living to serve, just Joseph up here, living the dream, uh, <laughs> you gotta go with the list, you gotta go with the list, and you gotta have purpose because there's distractions. And Joseph knew what his purpose was, so he did not deviate from his destiny. And it says, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to me. I have a purpose here. I have an assignment. I cannot do this. And he says this. He says, I cannot do this against him, but I cannot do this against God. He had a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. To the point where he would accept to go into the prison if it meant pleasing the Lord. He would accept a demotion if it meant pleasing the Lord. He knew it would cost him. Joseph knew the cost. Day after day, and one day he went into the house. Day after day this would come. It never stops, right? Never stops. Day after day, and and finally one day she grabs him by the cloak And she says, come to bed with me. And Joseph leaves the cloak behind. And that's all I'm taking off. We're not gonna have an illustrated sermon today. (laughs) But Joseph leaves the cloak behind, guys. And he chases and he runs after God. Where are you gonna run? You either run to God or you run to someone else or something else. When you're in a frustrated place and you're frustrated, and it's not always going well, and you don't get the greatest paycheck, you can become entitled as a servant. Temptations come in all sizes and forms. When I was working as a janitor at ORU, um, I worked with about 20 other students, guys that I knew that we went to class with, and, um, and some of them came to me one day, and they said, dude, how, how big is your paycheck? I was like, 97 bucks, and they are like, ours are like $400. I was like, what? How are you getting 400 bucks? And they're like, we clock in at 6 a.m., and we clock out at 10 p.m., And I was like, but I see you guys in class during that time. And they were like, yeah, so? And I was like, I see you playing video games at like one in the afternoon. They're like, yeah, so? And I was like, so you're clocking in. You're getting those hours, but you're not working during those hours. And they were like, Paul, they don't pay us enough here. This is the temptation. Temptations come in all different forms. The temptation was to take more because they deserved more in their minds, I said, you're right, they don't pay us enough. I said, but we shouldn't do that. And they said, Paul, you keep taking those little paychecks and we're gonna keep getting more. But they said, listen, our supervisor doesn't even care. He told us he'll look the other way. And I remember during that time being so tempted because I needed money, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Anyone else been in that season where you need money? Like half of y'all in the room, the other half of y'all are just rich, rich. Take off your mask, okay? Like, you can leave the COVID mask, but you just, you know what I'm saying, just be real. Amen. The truth is, we all go through seasons where I'm like, man, I need some money. Like, I need some cash, and they're not paying me enough. And the temptation was to take more, and we could have. I could have. i Believe me, there were weeks where I was like, hmm, I could really do that. But I felt the Lord saying, how you handle this Determines if I can trust you with that. And if you don't pass this test, then I can't trust you with that test across the street. Because I was working as a janitor across the street, but God was preparing me for the pulpit here. How you handle this season is, is preparing you for the next season. God never wastes a test. He never wastes a season. He never wastes an opportunity. And so there would be times where I would be so frustrated, I was working three jobs because I I didn't have enough money and my other jobs were rough. I worked as like a real estate agent, which I didn't, I found out later on that you have to have a license to do that. I didn't have a license, I'm sorry, (laughs) don't arrest me. But my mother-in-law, she told me later on, she was like, yeah, you should have had a license to do that. I was like, my bad, I didn't know. Some guy just told me, hey, can you help me sell some houses? So I was trying to, I didn't really sell any, so it's not a big deal anyway. They didn't make much money. (laughs) But I did it for two years. (laughs) I was making calls every day um, trying to sell houses. But anyways, long story short, I was working as Rudy the Rooster for the NBA D-League basketball team here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had to wear this Rooster costume. It was musty, it was wet. The guy never washed it before me. They used it for the Oilers game. It was oily. It was musty. It was nasty. And I would put that thing on. And and I I was working these three jobs, and it was frustrating. And I was tempted. I was tempted to get entitled. I was tempted to be bitter. I was tempted to just give in to whatever my flesh wanted. And I wasn't perfect in that season. I I didn't have zero mistakes. But I learned in that season that God was looking at my character, that God was watching and God is watching. And God was saying, Paul, how you handle this determines if I can trust you with that. Joseph, how you handle this. And and even though Joseph did the right thing, he ended up in the wrong place. Sometimes you can do the right thing and you still end up in a bad place. I don't want to lie to you today and say that favor is going to get you out of every problem, and favor's gonna give you lots of money, and favor's always going to make everything right. Sometimes favor lands you in the prison. I remember, and I want the band to come out. I remember I was standing in line to get some ice cream out an ice cream truck, and, and my dad pulled me out of line. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I'm gonna get ice cream. He goes, Nope, come on, Paul. I was like, I was gonna get some ice cream. Sometimes favor will pull you out of the line. Sometimes we think favor brings me to the front of the line, sometimes favor pulls you out of the line. And I don't know why he pulled me out of the line. Like the guy in the van had a mustache, I don't know, maybe he felt something, (laughs) I don't know. But my dad was taking me to Brahms and he said, I got something better for you. I don't know why I said the mustache in the van, just forget about that. I have a mustache too. Don't, don't, Don't be hard on guys with mustaches. Or guys who drive a van, okay? I got five kids, so I might have a van soon and a mustache. Just let's stop it, it's getting weird, all right? The point is, here's the point. I got pulled out of line and my dad had a better ice cream for me, okay? (laughs) Edit this from the tapes, cut it off. (laughs) Sometimes favor isn't fair. Joseph did the right thing and the favor of God was on him and he gets accused of a crime he didn't commit. He gets accused of something that he didn't do. Have you ever been accused of something that wasn't true? And And it hurts because people look at you different. And, and, and like this, even a year ago during the pandemic, people accused our church of like all kinds of random stuff. And, and while we were having services out on the rooftop and we were, and, and the enemy thought that the accusations were gonna stop our church during the pandemic. You know what happened? Those accusations, our church ended up on all these news channels for what we were doing. They came to find something wrong and they found us giving out groceries to thousands of people, helping the homeless, serving people at the Dream Center. What the enemy sent to try to shut our church down actually propelled our church even closer to the dream. And I just wanna say this, that every accusation of the enemy that's been sent to destroy your reputation, that's been sent to push you back, God says, if you will trust in me and keep your heart right. Joseph didn't even get a chance to defend himself. Like Potiphar just said, you're done, you're out, you're fired. <laughs> Throw him in prison. But I love what it says in verse 20. It says, Potiphar threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners are confined. Joseph thought that Potiphar's house might be the house where he becomes the leader. Again, Joseph didn't have a Bible, didn't have a script. So he was watching as he was prospering, succeeding, he's building up Potiphar's house. Everything's awesome, it's a blessing. And he's like, maybe this is the dream. Maybe I'm going to lead these people. Then the accusation comes. Then he's thrown into prison. And he thinks, man, I just took another 100 miles back from the dream that God gave me. But little did Joseph know that the prison was actually one step closer to the palace because now he was no longer in Potiphar's house. He was in the dungeon that sat right beneath Pharaoh's room. And I just wonder if while Pharaoh was dreaming in the bed right above Joseph, here Joseph is he's in a prison right, he's got concrete above his head, concrete a, a, on every side. He's in this cell. He's got the shackles on, but right above him Pharaoh is dreaming and he doesn't know what to do with these dreams and Joseph is sitting right beneath him and Joseph thinks he's so far from his dream, but he's closer than he realized. And it says that even while he was in prison, even when you're in a frustrated place, even when you're accused of stuff you didn't do, the Lord is with you and the Lord showed him kindness and granted him favor in a frustrated place. Favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God's about to give favor for some of you in this room. As you keep a posture of a servant, as you keep the posture of humility, God exalts those who humble themselves, but he humbles those who exalt themselves. So the warden put Joseph in charge of everyone in the prison. Sometimes favor is promotion in a frustrated place. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and God gave him success in whatever he did. Would you stand your feet all over this place? I just wanna pray for you today. I wanna pray that this message, this story resonates with some of you in seasons of life that you're in. And maybe you're in a season right now where you need to be reminded Just like the Lord was with Joseph, he's with you. Or maybe you're headed into a season. And this is just a word of of prophetic revelation to say God's with you. He will be with you, he is with you, and he's for you. And if you will keep on forgiving, Joseph had to learn how to forgive in the prison before he got to the palace. He had to learn how to forgive Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. He had to learn how to forgive the people who were mean. He had to learn how to live without defending himself. He had to learn how to live without having a conversation about it, just to go in there and say, okay, God, I trust my reputation with you. Lord, I trust that you're with me. I trust that you're going to work all things together for good. God was was helping Joseph to interpret the season he was in. I want us just to close our eyes all over this place. Lord, I just pray for every man, every woman in the room, every teenager. God, I pray for everyone in the room who may be just as tempted To feel entitled to take a little bit more than they should. I pray for everyone in the room who just feels tempted out of weariness, out of frustration, to give up, to throw in the towel. God, I pray, Lord, for those in the room who've forgotten to pick up the towel and to serve where you have them. That today is just a reminder to find a door and be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, to find a place to say, Where's the need, God, and I'll meet it. If it's in the nursery, if it's in the parking lot, if it's in the youth group, I'm telling you, there's no greater joy than the joy of serving. Money won't make you happy. A nicer car won't make you happy. A bigger house won't make you happy. But when you take the posture of a servant, you say, Lord, I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. God says, that's where joy is found. That's where purpose is discovered to bring glory to God wherever he has you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here right now and you just need strength in a frustrated place, raise your hand. You just need strength. You need God's grace, his favor, his strength you need his perspective on the season that you're in right now you're saying lord help me to see this season through your eyes help me to see what you see lord help my attitude in this season secondly you're here and you say i need to surrender some areas in my heart to god there's some spots where i've missed it there's some places where i've just if i'm really honest my heart needs to be surrendered to god some character parts that i just need to say god work in me holy spirit work in my heart if that's you raise your hand you're saying lord there's some areas in my heart, in my life, that I need to surrender to you, that I need to ask for your forgiveness, and I need to ask for your Holy Spirit to work in me. If you raised your hand, or you need prayer today, or you just need to get down to this altar, I want you to leave your seat. And we're gonna worship right now. We're gonna take a few minutes just to surrender to God, to say, God, I'm all yours. And you just come find a place at this altar every man every woman every person here today that says god I'm, I'm I'm trusting you with my dreams I'm trusting you with my season Lord I'm asking you to give me your perspective even in a frustrated job even in a frustrated season in a, in a time that doesn't make sense Lord I'm choosing to keep my eyes on you let's just begin to worship God this morning you take with the enemy for evil, and you turn it for good you turn you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. God is with you. God is with you. God is for you. Got you. He says, I'm going to redeem what you want. If he dresses the leaves with beauty and he says, I'm going to meet your needs in a frustrated place. I'm going to give you favor even in a frustrated spot. I promised it, I'm going to do it. If I gave you the dream, I'm going to fulfill it. Don't let go of the vision just because it's frustrating. Don't let go of what He spoke to you in the night just because you're tempted and you're frustrated. Singing
1: Yahweh.
0: You keep your promises. If you said it, I believe. Said it, I believe it. If you 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 said it, I believe it. it. All your promises are yes and a. all your promises are yes and amen And all your promises are yes and amen oh, oh. and all your promises are yes and amen oh, oh. and all your says I'm with you I've got you This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles This is how This is this how I fight I my, fight my battles. battles This is how I fight my battles this is how I find my battles And this is how, yeah. And this is how I find my battles And this is how I fight my battles. on my best day you are faithful your promises are true even in the valley Lord thank you for going to the cross for my sins you paid the price so that I could be forgiven so I repent and I receive your grace you rose from the grave you are my Lord and Savior You conquered sin and death. So I keep my eyes on you. My faith is in you. Work in my heart. Make me more like you. Lord, I trust that you are good. And you show favor to all your children. And I'm a child of God. So I receive your favor by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God loves you. He's with you. He's for you.